And um, here I am again. Despite all good sense telling me that I probably shouldn't be doing this, I'm doing this. So today I wanted to talk about something that isn't really inappropriate, which is how I came to identify as polyamorous. I don't know, I just don't really know what this podcast is yet, totally. Uh, so I thought for this third episode I'd, I'd get something a little more personal. I honestly can't even remember now. Oh, wait. No, I guess I got pretty personal on the last one, too. But that's not something I'd ever discuss with someone in, in public. This, this is something that I, I would probably um, talk talk to someone I know, too, about. It all started back in, I think, 2017. Which I mostly remember as uh, the year that the uh, Nintendo Switch came out. <laughs> but it was the last year that I had dated someone monogamously and despite feeling like everything was going all right and that I thought it was going somewhere it just kind of ended uh all of a sudden and um part of the part of the problem too is uh I was dating a co-worker at this place I was working at and um I was just not my best self at my job and they saw parts of me that uh, were not particularly great but after that though I just didn't really know why uh, why I was dating any anyone and during that time I had listened to an audiobook um, for a sci-fi classic called Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert A. Heinlein it's a really good book if you haven't listened to it um, it's actually also too the reason why I'm recording this as well is just because I uh, started uh, re-listening to the audiobook. But that book, it does have a lot of stuff. And it, it has stuff about polyamory that I'm not particularly about. Like, it's a lot of uh, that uh, kind of hippie commune, we can live off the earth kind of attitude, uh, which is not what I'm really about. I'm, I, I'm not going to get into my own politics uh, outside of, um, you know, the relationship dynamics and, and whatnot. But... Uh, yeah, it was one of the first things that, that made me start thinking, though, that maybe there is something more to love and sex and the way that we express that and share that with other people. Because when I look back on it, I, I think about my ex-girlfriends and, um, like, the ones that I really did date and got to know. I think I still, you know, I love them, right? It's not like I'm in love with them, but I love them in the sense that I hope that they're well and that they find happiness in their lives. <laughs> the other thing, too, about Stranger in a Strange Land, I'll just call it Strange Land from now on, is that it also brought up some other bizarre thoughts I'd been having about, you know, the uniqueness of the human race and our ability to comprehend and talk to one another with language and express ourselves through art and sex. It really resonated with me, especially seeing as... Uh, I don't know if I should be admitting to this, um, but I'm a uh, I'm a communications major, which this podcast could probably only speak ill on me as a communications major, because I am terrible at communicating even into this fucking microphone. But so, anyways, that book really kind of it it more it brought together a lot of things I had been thinking about up until that point, and then I took a trip out to a place that I just decided I'm not going to name. 
and uh, I, I was staying at a friend's place. And while I was there, I was using um, Tinder. And I actually, it's funny because I wouldn't have met this person necessarily because of um, Tinder. <laughs> but it was more because that I had run out of likes on Tinder for the day. And they were the last person. And I was like, oh, well, I can't do it. And I do think they're pretty attractive. So I read their profile. And they had their Snapchat in their profile. So I thought, well, why don't I download Snapchat and see if they'll message me back on there. And then at first, too, I was really self-conscious about it. Because I was like, you know, this might have been a mistake. Because, to be honest, I'm just kind (laughs) of... looking to have a good time tonight and it might have been just rude to take your snapchat profile off your tinder account and then they messaged me back and they're like no it's it's totally fine and then uh, things progressed from there and we met up for dinner and uh that was the first time i'd ever like made a connection like that and it wasn't just sex too it was that like I really enjoyed the conversations that we had and the time that we spent together. And even though it's not someone I'm ever going to like sleep with again, it was a completely worthwhile experience. And then after that is where I kind of become polyamorous, but I don't really start identifying as polyamorous. And so I go on a string of, of dates that don't really lead to anything, right? Because I'm still kind of trying to figure out what exactly I want out of dating now. And it's not until I meet this um, girl that puts on her... uh, No, wait. Oh, no, she didn't. That's right. Um, I'll call her Allie. So Allie actually didn't write this on her bio. It was uh, something that came up in conversation because... She referred to her roommate as her partner, even though they weren't in any kind of romantic relationship. Uh, in fact, her, her roommate was, like, both asexual and aromantic. Um, so it was just... And, and her and I, too, we had a whole thing about semantics of what words to use in a relationship and to identify with. But I will say that it was because of her that I started identifying as a solo poly. It was also kind of weird too because I think I gravitated to her more as a friend and I tried to make it more sexual and and to be honest too like actually wait no not god see for me like the weed is is meditation I don't know if I mentioned that I'm high (laughs) I think I'm high on orange sherbet yeah that's it anyways I'm realizing like like, I can't romanticize the past right now, I think, because I'm seeing it clearly. And, um, I mean, it wasn't a bad relationship. It's just like, yeah, sexually, we didn't really have anything in common. We didn't really want the same thing out of date so much. Um, like, she didn't like making out. Oh, God. But, so then, after that, though, that's how I identify as solo poly. And I, I identified... Um, I solo poly until I met my, my current primary partner. And, you know, I, I always considered that the situation might change if I found the right person. But I, I find that I just really enjoy dating other women and, you know, kind of having, like, the replication of uh, 
of romance, you know, or of like, I guess, falling in love for the first time, but without actually committing to it is nice. And then after that, though, it's just the friendships you develop. Because it's not just about sex to me. They have to be people whose company I can genuinely enjoy. Like, my my primary... uh, I was uh, telling her about a date I was going to go on soon. And um, I was telling her that it was with a friend. And she's like, you're dating your friend? It was in text, so I, I don't know how she meant it. But that's how I read it. And I told her, yeah. I'm dating my friend and she's like um why isn't she your primary then and I told her because I don't really have all that much in common with her but the other thing too I like about being polyamorous is with my partner and this is I I was originally gonna make a whole episode about why I don't like cuck stuff and I guess I'll just make it this as well is to me it's like I don't know it's just for me personally, a weird thing to uh, to fetishize, and I, I I totally get that. <laughs> I don't know if my mic is picking up stuff that my neighbors are doing. Anyways, that's one of the few fetishes where it's like I'm not into it, but I I guess I understand the uh, psychology of it well enough where it's like, at least if the people that are into it, the ones where it's like you know they understand that it's role play, there are. I've read some stories of of people that try to take it too far because they don't talk to their partners about it before actually trying it, and I don't know if those stories are true or if they're made up, but the moral of the story is just talk to your partner about it before you actually do something that they might not like. Yeah, but anyways, it just doesn't really bother me, the idea that uh, my partner would be sleeping with someone else. Um, nor does it particularly make, like, I guess make me horny is the word, are there words to say there. <laughs> I'm so fucking high right now. But I think the other thing, too, is uh, I think society, we need to, to be better about sex education because I still feel like so much of... What we're taught both from the media in general and and even in the uh, education system is still very I don't even know if I would say that it's it's just heteronormative because I mean I'm, I'm heterosexual uh, but I, I don't know what to say with the the how it's normative towards the the idea of it being like just two people in a relationship that is closed but you know it's the standard i guess you could say right it's it's you know they were still largely taught that there is like this standard and i feel like even in the media where they show lgbtq characters right there's still like this standard of like well it's two people they get together and uh they adopt a kid or uh, if it's two women, maybe one of them gets impregnated. But, but you know, my, my point is, right, that we're still taught that it's like, okay, go out, find the love of your life, and go be a productive human being that continues the human race. 
And I, I think we need to be taught that, like, no, there are options on how to live your life. You don't have to grow up to have two kids and a, and a partner in a white picket fence house. Some people are perfectly happy, you know, living jobs where they're moving around a lot and, you know, living just independently their entire lives. That's how my aunt has lived her entire life. And she just beat cancer. And, like, a particularly nasty form of cancer that has, like, a crazy high death rate. It's it's really incredible. <laughs> I've always admired her. She knew what she wanted out of life uh, from a very young age, according to my mother. She knew she didn't want to settle down and have one partner and a family. I don't know if she identifies as solo poly or if she's still looking for a partner but I'm not going to put a label on her I'm, I'm a terrible terrible family member for doing that I, I'm going to leave that in I'm not going to edit that out I'm going to show the world that I'm a human being that makes flawed decisions in thinking and then can course correct but yeah we got to teach the kids that like there are other ways to live and I, I think the other thing too is we got to also teach kids like the economic benefits of waiting to have kids when you are actually like legitimately ready um especially right now like that's part of why i don't have kids is because i'm just thinking like am i ever gonna have enough money to enjoy myself and also allow my kids to enjoy myself and maybe that's an incredibly selfish way of thinking but i'm i'm just like Maybe I only ever really want to live for myself in a sense. At least I don't want to pass on my genes. You know, I want to live for the family members I care about. And I got to live for my primary partner. <laughs> the thought of, of, you know, sharing uh, my uh, love with children is also just a scary thought in and of itself. Um, this is going all sorts of places I was not ready to take it to, but here I am. And oddly, this is one of the podcasts where I go off on uh, less tangents. I think I'm actually going to do this in one recording. But th the last thing I'll say about polyamory, though, is that it, it doesn't feel like a choice in the sense of me accomplishing my own happiness. I enjoy sex. I enjoy affection. I enjoy good conversation. I enjoy friendship. I just don't see why I have to uh, give those things exclusively to uh, to one person. One person who I, I thought they understood what I was. I thought I, I made my lifestyle very clear to them. Then turned around and they weren't comfortable with it. Even though, and that I was not being honest with them. Even though I thought I completely was. But what, what what really hurt, though, is it wasn't that um, after that they didn't want to see me anymore. Because I, I completely get that, right? It's like, okay, if, you don't, if you're not comfortable dating someone who's polyamorous and has other sex partners, that, you know, that I, I entirely understand that, right? You, you're not into uh, someone who has that kind of lifestyle. But it was more that they didn't really make an attempt to understand me, it felt like. Um, and that's what really hurt was, was that... Um, they left me not because they didn't necessarily accept my lifestyle choice, but it felt more like because they didn't really try to understand it. They just kind of argued as to why it was inefficient and why it doesn't work. 
and it hurt. But I've also been in a very fortunate position, though, where my immediate family are very liberal when it comes to, like, a lot of that relationship stuff and, you know, understanding. Uh, so I'm open about being polyamorous with uh, my immediate family and especially I've, I've talked about it with my uh, stepmom and my dad and my mom so it's been very fortunate because so like my friend Allie she never told her parents and she she was from like a more conservative part of the country and a more conservative culture so not something she could really be open about them with and it's very fortunate that uh i don't have uh parents that look at me as a pervert just because i have a way of expressing myself through romance and through dating that isn't the norm uh, that being said i hope to god they never find out about this kinky caption crafter bullshit because then they would think I'm a pervert, <laughs> to which I would have no defense. None. None whatsoever. I, I can't defend this to my family. Um, so, if you know my real name, send me a message and start blackmailing me. And uh, I think s sending requests for blackmail, that's a great place to end this uh, video. So, uh, as always, um, my uh, links are... You can uh, subscribe and uh, hit that notification bell if for some reason this is something you want to subscribe to. People will see that, I think. I don't know if, if they can, but you'll know. You'll feel guilty about it. Don't worry. You, you don't have to. In fact, I, I would say for your sake, just don't hit, don't hit either of those. But I assume that you probably have a, a secret Twitter account and a secret reddit account and secret other accounts so you can follow me on your secret pervert twitter account on twitter at kinky cap crafter you can follow me on reddit u slash kinky caption crafter you can go to kinky caption crafter dot blogspot dot com and kinky caption crafter dot bdassembler dot com to subscribe and um oh there's also the uh the patreon if for some reason after listening to this you think mm, this guy he deserves money i don't deserve money for doing this but uh if you do subscribe um you can get my captions if early uh if that's something you want uh bye <laughs>